Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Guests, I have Christine Daigle and JP Ryan Flesh, and they are both authors of serialized short fiction. And they also have a podcast that I'm going to be a guest on their, uh, their podcast coming up here. Uh, so let's go ahead and welcome to the show, Christine and welcome hello thank you hello so you guys both have some stories that i i have had the the pleasure of 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 checking out so i've 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 taken a look at 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 some of uh, both your stories but i would rather have you introduce uh them to our audience here uh, I know this is Aaron's horror show, so this is perfect because both of you are actual horror authors. Usually I'm bringing on like sci-fi authors because that's all the people I know because I write a lot of sci-fi. So, so let's, let's, let's have them hear about your stories. Yeah. Uh, we'll so, start with uh, Christine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I actually do write sci-fi as well. So I do have a sci-fi serial, The Molecule Thief, but I'm not here to talk about that one today. Um, I co-write with... Uh, my co-writer Stuart Sternberg and we write under the name LP Styles, and we have a horror serial called Dark Is Away, which, if you like things in the vein of Joe Hill or you know tension like Josh Mallerman, or if you like Hereditary, you probably will like that. Cool, great, great, and and JP, do you want to go ahead and introduce yours? Yeah, so I have a uh, short story that's out for free that anyone can grab if they want uh it's called the rules and my co-author ab cohen and i wrote it um a team together event uh to co-write this and then we ended up writing a six book uh story that we are going to be publishing in a couple of months so this is kind of like the first experience of us working together and it is a, a horror involving a girl who has come overseas back in the like the early 1920s um and some hideous or insidious things ensue um, 
Yay, demons. So I do, <laughs> yes, yay, um, I do have a uh, Kindle Vela coming out sometime in the near future with um, a co-writer, Jeff Elkins, who is the dialogue doctor, but we don't have a release date on that yet. Oh, great, great. So we'll, we'll start with Christine. So I went ahead and, and took a look at the, uh, the, the stuff that you had up there on Kindle Vela. And uh, it, it started off with this very interesting scene of a brother uh, and his two younger sisters. And one of the sisters came up and, and immediately had kind of a premonition that, you know, their mom was dead and it was three in the morning. And in order to prove that their mom is not dead, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, they call their mom. And, and I thought it was just really an interesting choice you made there because uh one of the things that struck me was was how she thought she was uh like like the brother kind of mentioned that you know she was she was right <laughs> not not right like with this particular one or at least not didn't want her to be right with this particular one but how she had premonitions of the past and so you know go ahead and talk about uh, your choices with that and you know where you came up with the idea or where, wherever you want to go with it i'm really free form on this uh, <laughs> yeah oh, where i came up with the idea that's a good question i mean the with the idea for the serial in general uh both my co-author and i of course are classic horror fans always wanted to do a new england horror loved you know stephen king and all the eldritch horror stories growing up so that's kind of where uh this idea came from and then giving him a sister that that's a little bit of a sensitive has some premonitions uh, where she's been right in the past about other things. It, it just adds some tension to it. Uh, so really I'm, I'm a fan of horror where you don't see the monster. If that makes sense. Those are the ones yeah. that always, I find the scariest where there's something going on and there's some kind of tension, you know, something's not right. And there's a lot of foreshadowing that something's going to, going to come on, but you know, the characters are, always in denial of the supernatural going on. That's kind of my favorite trope. And it's, you know, those ones that'll just go into the basement in the dark and no, no, it's fine. That's kind of my, yeah. my favorite horror. So the idea for that was kind of to set up, obviously some stuff is, is going on and his sister Emma has a premonition about it. So hoping mm -hmm. that that's really going to draw the reader in to find out if she's going to be right about that. Yeah, yeah. So you're that's that's into the story of, of whether or not uh, uh, she's right about it. And it's interesting that you say that you like the slow, the slow moving horror, the one that sort of builds. I, I had a friend who uh, called it like the creep uh, <laughs> where it, it just moves at almost a glacial pace. And, you know, something really terrifying is going to happen, but you, you, you never quite know when or where or how, but there is something not right with the universe. And I get a good sense of that right there, even in that first, you know, episode that you have up. Uh, would you, so would you, would you say like, cause it, to me, it kind of reminds me of like HP Lovecraft. And I know you mentioned <laughs> the Eldritch Horrors and stuff like that. So it seems like that's a really big influence in your yeah. That definitely was an early interest, uh, an early interest and an early influence for me. Lovecraft, Ligotti. I know he's not New England. He's from Detroit. But those were, were definitely a huge uh, interest for me when I was a bit younger. I actually used to work for a small press in, in Michigan that was uh, 
uh, an eldritch horror press. So I had a lot of exposure to that doing reading uh, and doing some, some acquisitions for that. So yeah, I definitely had an early love for New England horror. I have never actually been to New England, so I use a lot of Google Earth, but um, definitely was always a dream to do something in that vein. And I do love that slow creep horror. I loved, you know, the book versions of The Exorcist definitely was an early influence. That is a slow creep. Even uh, Josh Mallerman's Bird Box has, you know, not, if you've read the book and not seen the movie, because they're very different. It's a very slow creep horror with constant tension and really wanted to just get that vibe into the serial. Great, great. So I have to ask, because we do a whole lot of movie reviewing on this podcast, what's your favorite horror movie? Oh my gosh, that is a really hard you, question. Give me a top five, if that's too I mean, I, I do <laughs> love The Exorcist. I know that that is a slow creep movie. Um, you know what my favorite horror movie is? And this is, this is a definitive um, answer is uh, let the right one in and the translated version, not the American version. Um, I don't watch a lot of horror movies more than once. I have seen that one several times and I just thought that that's, that was a slow creep horror and it was brilliantly done. Very cool. Yeah, I'd have, you know, and this is probably betraying my love of sci-fi, but I have to say my favorite uh, slow creep is Alien, the very first movie, Alien. You know, uh, yeah. not, not, I mean, I, there's a, a place in my heart for aliens where it's just a bunch of space marine shooting things. Uh, <laughs> but you, you don't get the slow creep in that. Obviously, the first alien movie had a lot of that. You know, you didn't even see the thing. So I have to ask you, are you an author who ultimately wants to show you the thing? Or are you an author that, that ultimately showing the thing is going to keep the thing and even if you don't want to answer that because you don't want to spoil anything but I'm curious if you have any strong opinions about that I do have opinions about that and um my favorite is not showing the thing that is my favorite trope in horror is not showing the thing and even in horror where showing the thing is necessary like in zombie or post-apoc fiction my favorite parts are when they're not showing the thing (laughs) it's just the looking over in the shoulder that slow creep at the back of the neck that is by far my favorite horror trope. Okay, so the so the imagination is more scary than anything we could possibly put on uh, on the page. For me, it is. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely yeah. think so. Yeah, no, I I definitely I I definitely I definitely uh, agree with that. You know, and for me, it's more. It depends on the story. Uh, you know, I have to look at each one of them individually to see if it if it worked that way or if it didn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, let's switch gears to JP really quick and, and talk about your story there. So I got this really uh, cool sense of vibe that not all was right, uh, even in the way that that uh, she was invited uh, to the place where <laughs> she's sitting there like, well, I got a place to go get a job. And she's like, no, you don't want to go here. You want to go to my house of horrors, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I like that actually, because, because, you know, you get, a, you get a sense that not all is, is right. Even as, as she gets off the boat, so to speak. So, you know, uh, yeah, go ahead and tell me more about your, your ideas with this and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, This story came off of um, an event called Authors on a Train in 2020. Uh, So about 15 authors uh, traveled on a train from L.A. to Oakland, California, 
And uh, then we stayed in one hotel. And this was in January of 2020, just for reference. Um, and we stayed at this Airbnb, the Ellen Kenna house, and it was just this odd old mansion. And I looked up the history of it and found out that this was a school for girls. And um, there was just a lot of like strange vibes that a lot of the authors got when we were there. So when my author and I, we, when we were grouped up to work on a project together, we immediately were like, we switched from epic fantasy as like the, the topic we wanted to do to switching to horror almost immediately. Cause we were like something in this house is just, we have to tell something weird um, about this house. And so we just picked up on um, this creepy occult vibe. And I'm like a huge fan of the occult. I'm a big nerd. I love collecting weird old grimoires cause that's who I am. Um, and my co-writer is um, practicing um, Jew and he's very uh, devout in his religion. So we were able to kind of play um, pieces of our beliefs and kind of like opposing ends in one sense, but mesh them in a, a fun and uh, unique way. So even though, you know, demons may not necessarily be part of the, the Jewish tradition, it's still fun to kind of... Um, play around with some of that evil spirit. Well, yeah. I mean, you get a good sense of the fact that there's a, 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 a lot of history, you know, I mean, I mean, one you you, you are choosing to put it in a historical time period, but you get a sense that there is more than just what is uh, uh, going on, uh, uh, you know, because there's a deep sense of history with this place, you know, and, and it, it it goes way back even <laughs> beyond uh, the place itself to something, you know, I don't know. I, I, I you know, if, if we're, you know, going back to what my, you know, a friend of mine who, you know, he, he was a big, much bigger horror snob than me. So he had terms for everything, but he called this the, there's something hidden in Berksby underneath kind mm -hmm. of trope, you know? Uh, and, and so is that kind of the vibe that, <laughs> that, that you're going for? Like, like this is ancient evil. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That that sort of um, that moving force that is almost inevitable, regardless of what happens. But the the part I like about it the most is this. There's a twist on belief that I really love when it comes to like demons and strange occult. And you see this a lot in like the movies, The Skeleton Key. Um, and I want to even say in a dark song, uh, you sort of see that. So the idea that that belief is partially responsible for the, uh, the, the or partially responsible for for losing the armor, so to speak, that you have yeah, <laughs> against exactly. that force, right? Yep. Great. So I also have to ask you, uh, what is your favorite horror movie, or maybe list of movies? So I love Alien. I love all of the. Um, some of those you know key classics but i am loving hereditary and midsummer and um i think his name is ari ari aster, uh, aster. yeah he's amazing yeah, i am yeah. loving the stuff he's coming out with uh more recently that that just it is a slow slower burn but it just it gives such a good punch at the end and i'm loving it so i would say those two for sure and i'm, I'm hopeful that you know the witch as well i'm, I'm just hopeful that there's, there's more to come <laughs> yeah no that's midsummer that's some really dark stuff yep. there, you know uh especially the backdrop of it being not like a like it doesn't look as dark <laughs> you know that's definitely uh you know uh, one of those things where there's something 
you know, something lurking underneath. That was <laughs> you know? like, that was the fun part about it is because most horror, especially in, you know, that specific story is usually done in the dark, but they couldn't because it's midsummer and you're, you're near the Scandinavian North lands. And so it's going to be sunlight all the time. And so I loved that dichotomy of bright, fun, floral colors and just such sinister darkness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Having an incredibly bright, uh, (laughs) bright setting for such, for such darkness. And I think that's, it's interesting because I think, you know, and this might be something for both of you, uh, you know, in both written horror and, and movie form, uh, you know, uh, you, you have a lot of tropes that have been explored a whole lot, right? You know, and, and sci-fi has its same things where people are, are sort of sick of one trope or another. So you have to think about new ways to reinvent, you know, <laughs> reinvent uh, the tropes and, and the stuff that has been played. So, so either in your own or, you know, uh, other work that you've seen, what do you, you know, once again, I'm opening the question to any form of, of, of books or movies. Like what, what do you, what, what's something that you've seen that that's take something tired and, or tried and true and flipped it around to make it something more uh, interesting. I would have to say that the fear street trilogy that just came out. Okay. I, feel I haven't like seen that, this one yet. Yeah, I feel like that did something fantastic. Uh, it, it put three books. Uh, first one was 1994. Uh, second one was in the 70s. I'm sorry, I forgot the date. And then 1666. But they all tied together in such a beautiful way. And they all hit different tropes. Uh, you had the 90s slasher films, the 70s kind of like uh, Chainsaw Massacre-like style. And then the 1660s that that reminisced of the witch and other sort of like old Salem time film. Um, They were able to hit all of those horror tropes, but still they fit a story that still had a a really fantastic twist and turn. And even the, the two main characters, as you would put them, uh, they aren't your standard uh, characters. Uh, They actually press forward with this sort of um, LGBTQ statement and they really come through on it in a a fantastic way at the end that you kind of don't see a lot uh you kind of see that you know those characters end up dying off or or they aren't as important or they're the the total evil bad ones and not to ruin anything but i really liked how they at least did that representation and they they did it yeah no i have to agree with that you know my my gripe with star trek i'm a huge star trek fan and i always love it but my gripe with Star Trek was that you didn't really get any LGBTQ characters until Discovery more recently, you know? And I felt that was like, you know, a little late to the game when, when you know, Next Generation, for example, had some perfect opportunities to explore to explore that, the, that stuff, you know? And I think, you know, when it comes to science fiction, the easiest way to show people they have no future is to not include them in it. Uh, so, you know, it, that's why I think representation really matters especially when it comes to fiction. And so that sounds like Fear Street really, that's pretty cool to hear that they did that. Uh, Christine, do you have any anything that you want to talk about, about like uh, um, anything we just talked about? Sure, really? but I do think it's funny when you talk about Star Trek uh, in, in book form, if you haven't read Cameron Hurley, 
I de- definitely recommend because she just took a, a space opera and took the men out of it. There are absolutely no men in her book. <laughs> okay, it's on my list um, now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm putting this on uh, my list. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it because she has several, but it's The Stars Are Legion. The star, that's it. The stars, and there are no men in that book. And I just loved it. It just cracked me up. It was so funny. Um, well, that sounds hilarious. I'm going to have to definitely see this because. <laughs> yeah, and there, you know, it deals with like pregnancy and all of that. So it, it, it was a really interesting read. Um, in terms of like horror tropes, I mean, there's always something that's the first and you're like, that's really cool. I mean, uh, Girl with All the Gifts doing it from the zombie perspective was cool. Bird Box when it's just like, you're not going to see, that was cool. Um, so I always think if you can try and take one aspect and just just push it and innovate it, I think B-horror is great for that. Like B-horror takes tropes and just flips them on their head and makes them hilarious. Um I'm trying to think of the only ones I'm thinking of right now were coming out a long time ago with like Fido when all the zombies were pets and, you know, Baba Hotel yeah, yeah. <laughs> and things like that. So I do love it when they take tropes and make them humorous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I'm especially that that's my jam right there. <laughs> you just see for, for people that have been hearing this podcast for a long time, you'll know that, that, that I often take things and twist them to make them humorous. I, I read a book called uh, Christmas Elf Secret Agent, which was about an elf that uh, uh, waterboards for Santa, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So I took the secret agent trope and turned it into a Christmas novel. But, you know, so I, I'm, I'm in love with that. But to kind of go back to uh, something that you said about Girl with All the Gifts, I think that, like, the, the girl with all the gifts book, like one thing I really appreciate it uh, about what it did is it totally changed the zombie narrative in, in such a cool way that, <laughs> that I haven't seen do anything quite like that. Like, like one, it, it changed it from a virus to a fungus. Right. So I think that was interesting in itself that they literally take the the virus and turn it into a, a fungus, but then they also changed it to where, you know, you, you were seeing it from her point of view as a zombie for, you know, the, the first part of the book. So I thought that very first part was really well done. So, you know, I think, I think that it's a, a really good example of, of, you know, we've all seen a zombie movie. We all know how they work, but then somebody goes in and, and, you know, takes a blender to that and then produces a, a cool work of art. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Cool. So yeah, no, this is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is good, 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 uh, discussion here. So, uh, let's go ahead and, 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 and now get into your, you know, like what made you, you, Christine. So, you know, you, you like the slow creep, like, let's hear the story, uh, <laughs> like of what made you use. So how do you get into writing? Uh, you know, uh, any sort of story you want to tell. <laughs> How did I get into writing? Oh, that's an interesting story uh, because I was like a career academic. I did a whole lot of, of college um, and then was in the middle of my doctorate degree and uh, decided that I was going to have a kid while I was doing that. So um I was at home with a three month old and putting off my dissertation and was bored out of my mind because there's only so much laundry and daytime TV you can watch uh, and decided that I was going to write. <laughs> Why I decided to write dark stuff. Um, 
That's a good question. That's probably has some childhood therapy. We would have to get into there. <laughs> but yeah, all of my fiction tends to be a little bit on the dark side. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's okay. We we like we like what we like. You know what I mean? Like like some you know. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, our that. origin story, our, I, I like to think of it as a superhero origin story. We all have a different origin story, but <laughs> that's it too. And I, my mom is, it, is know, a nice it, person. And yeah. I remember the first time she read something that I wrote and she said, whatever I did to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause you know, what you're talking about the district, like my wife uh, also had a baby when she was in graduate school uh, getting her PhD and she also had that same dissertation funk uh, <laughs> you know that yeah that so I, I know exactly what you're talking about uh, it's uh, as a, far as such a grind know, with dissertation writing yeah I uh, always tease that I quit four times but never told anybody so <laughs> I eventually <laughs> finished it <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, I, I, you refocused on something, you know, <laughs> on something you probably enjoy doing more, I guess. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Right. Great. Great. Uh, so let's go switch to JP. What is your origin story? Oh man. <laughs> All right. So I always have taken courses with writing, um, even in college, but I ended up pursuing a, a degree in biochemistry. And I ended up uh, doing, you know, basically a, a job, 40-hour week. Um, and then it, ended, it wasn't until about 2015 when I was taking a, a course for supervisory um, skills. And they had us write down all the things that we didn't have time for. And on the top of my list was I didn't have time to do any art and I didn't have time to write. And I really wanted to do both of those and I was like yeah this is on the top of my list like these are the things that I can't I just don't have time for and then they made us verbally say instead of I don't have time for I don't want to so I had to say in front of the class I don't want to write and I don't want to do art and that just lit a fire under me and it made me so mad because I was like that is not what I had in mind that's not what yeah. I want to do uh, so I just started like absorbing as much as I could. And it wasn't until about 2019 from that point where I had just listened to podcasts over and over. And, you know, I had all the craft that I thought I had that I went to an author event. And at that author event, um, like everything just kind of blew up exponentially. Um, since then I've, I've had, um, some short stories published, but I've made, uh, a lot of network community, uh, with the author success mastermind, which is run by Jay Thorne. Um, and I'm just like, I've met my co-author. We have a ton of stuff coming. So it just feels like it wasn't until about 2019 that, you know, was that spark that actual like progress made. Wow. So, you know, I'm getting this kind of from both of you, uh, because both of you are really good at building community. It looks like, and, and being within the author community, because, you know, and, and this is interesting because I, you know, most authors, when you when you just sort of think of them, they're people that like to uh, sit, you know, in a room by themselves and <laughs> write, which is what gravitates them to writing, right? Like, like, like let's interact with as few people as possible. Uh, so, uh, you know, that 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 gets us into writing. But you both have have told me some really strong kind of community stories, and obviously, 
uh, the reason why we're doing this podcast here is through writing communities, <laughs> you know, the reason why we did this whole podcast exchange. So really I, I like, what's your secret? Like, like how, how do you get past being an introvert? And maybe you're not an introvert at all. Maybe you're a, an extrovert in an introvert's field, uh, <laughs> but how, how do you, how do you do this? What's your secrets? You know, I'm a complete introvert, uh, in real life, but, and I get exhausted. So I'm one of those people that socializing just totally drains my battery and I am completely exhausted, but I don't find that it's universal. If it's this kind of amorphous blob of socializing where I don't know what we're talking about and we're just talking about small talk or the weather, like I find that completely draining, but I never find talking about writing draining. (laughs) I don't know why that is. If someone tells me they're a writer, then I am a hundred percent more extroverted because I don't know. That's just what I'm interested in. And I want to know about them, about what they're writing. Uh, I really do enjoy author community, you know, authors helping other authors. Cause I really feel strongly that that makes us all more successful. So I'm really motivated to do that, but I am definitely an, uh, an introvert. And even after author events, I have to do a battery recharge. Like after so a weekend, avoid- authors. No, you know, but yeah, if I do do a conference or something on the weekend, I'm wiped out for a couple of days afterward, but I enjoy it. So to me, that's worthwhile. I I know how you feel in in that context, in in the sense that I feel the reason I, I, the only reason I know other authors and talk to other authors is because you know, my wife has a rule with me that I could only talk about Amazon stats like once a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm always wanting to analyze Amazon stats and, and, you know, you know, or some, some thing equivalent, like highly nerdy, only other authors care about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and my wife is like, I don't even care about this stuff, but you know, I'll listen to you because you're, you're my husband. Right. <laughs> so I, I feel that's the advantage of talking to other authors. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I would yeah, say, yeah, I would say that I'm a, I'm similar to Christine, you know, I have, I have a lot of introvert tendencies, but I, I'm probably a little closer to the extroverted. Um, but even then, there is something about writing and something about art that I could just nerd out for hours on. And um, that's why, like, if you find your community, if you find your your group of people like you can nerd out about all that all the time. And it doesn't really like drain you. Um, for me, yeah. when, when I found the the author group that I went to in 2019, uh, I just happened to be lucky. Uh, it was a group of 15 people that included Christine. Um, it was, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it was rock apocalypse. Uh, we went to the rock and roll hall of fame and we basically created this uh, apocalyptic world together. And then we wrote short stories in it. And, being such a small group of people, I think that that was what made me make all the connections so quickly with so many people in that group and find who I could stick around with and who I could hang out with. And I find that talking with other authors, networking with them, and being able to offer what you can at that time, because, you know, right now, yes, I have some short stories published. I don't have novels published yet. However, I have um, some knowledge when it comes to like scientific research and, and digging into those things that I can then offer that to other authors. And, you know, maybe in the future, they may offer something back in return, or, you know, maybe there's a service in return that they want to then notify me for, but it's making these connections so that you can have that conversation with other authors so that you can lift each other up because 
this isn't a fight between each other to get readers. Readers do not just read one author. No, it's <laughs> <That's>, very true. <laughs> so thinking that there's some type of scarcity mindset when it comes to like who your authors are and needing to pluck them away from other authors is absurd to me. It doesn't make any sense. And it makes no. more sense to make friends with authors that are within your genre or within your side genres or just in general so that you guys can lift each other up and you can kind of like work together to figure out what is the best way to reach the audience that we are looking for. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say preach on brother to that one because yeah, definitely true. I mean, it's, it's not a competition really. I mean, if, if, if people only, you know, if there is a law handed down that we could only read one book in our lifetime, uh, which would make most people sad, uh, <laughs> then I guess it would be a competition, but it's not, you know, in the sense that there, you know, we all, we all feed off each other and you're absolutely right. It's really important to find people that are within your same area of expertise or your same area. Cause you know, generally speaking, if, if, you know, I, I, I will say if you, you know, read Christine's story and you end up really liking it, then you should immediately go get JB's story and read it because they, you know, I, I'd say they both, uh, they both definitely fit in, in, in that, in that, in that way. So, you know, I really think it's, it's a, it's, it's good to, <laughs> To share in that way this time on a podcast uh <laughs> we you know uh could go on for five hours but you know who's really gonna listen to a five-hour podcast maybe i'll i'll release one one day that's hours of silence and you know <laughs> see if that makes the advertisers happy uh <laughs> but you know since we're running out of time i want to give you some closing statement time. If there's something you were dying to tell people that we didn't cover, or at the very least, how to get your books, how to get a hold of you, what's your social media, what's your websites, can they join mailing lists to get free stuff? Uh, <laughs> anything you want to say, this is your time. Uh, so, Christine, we'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, go ahead and, and, and let them know. Sure. So, yeah, my horror serial and my sci fi serial with my co writer. Uh, is lpstylesbooks.com. So you can find them there. Uh, my own stuff is at christinedagelbooks.com. And JP and I do a podcast together that features Vela authors, and that's the serialfictionshow.com. And any of those websites, you can find my socials and, and come say hello. Great. Yeah. So same as Christine for serialfictionshow.com. Uh, highly recommend. It's a fun fun little journey. I also do a separate uh, podcast with author Chris Kane. Uh, it is the Right Away podcast, um, which rightawaypodcast.com will take you right there. And then my own website, I apologize. It is J-P-R-I-N-D-F-L-E-I-S-C-H-I-X.com. Uh, if you know how to spell Fleshman's Vodka, you know how to spell Rindflesh. Um <laughs> So you can find me there. I'll be posting um, some of the coming soon for um, the series that I'm working on. And you can also find socials there. So go ahead and check that out. Cool. Awesome. And uh, we want to go ahead and close and say, not only check out the writing, but also check out their podcast too. I know you like podcasts because you're listening to one right now, right? You're hearing this podcast. And so they also have a podcast. I'm going to be on their podcast. It's not just me, though. So uh, <laughs> check it out because you'll get to hear some cool stuff. And if if they don't mind, I'm going to say they have a brilliant format for their podcast because they're going to do readings of the stuff. So you're going to actually hear a little bit of the work 
that the authors are writing. And then on top of that, you're going to hear interviews uh, from these authors. And I think that format is really awesome. Makes me a little jealous that I didn't think of it. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, hats off to both of you. So, so that's, that's, it sounds like it's going to be a very cool show. And yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, thank you uh, so much for being on Aaron's Horror Show today. It was great talking to both of you. And of course, the next time you have something that is coming out, especially since both of you are horror writers, please come and see me. We'll do another interview and, and we'll get to talk about whatever you're working on next. Thanks so much, Aaron. I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, yes, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks.